0: comment and share our who needs no introduction whatsoever it is Harley Schlanger you can find him over at the LaRouche organization.com the, the LaRouche organization.com, as well as the Schiller institute.com Schiller Institute.com. and with that being said Harley there are so many things happening in the world uh, things are heating up so many things I don't even know where to begin Harley
1: well let's let's start with the panic in the establishment, because that's always a good place to start. There's a complete freak out over their inability to get India to knuckle under, to join the sanction regime against Russia. And so uh, they had this guy, Dalip Singh, sent there two weeks ago. He was oh, yeah. the sanctions yeah. e- expert in the State Department. Uh, they had Biden had a discussion with uh, Prime Minister Modi, and Modi said, well, it was a good discussion, but we're not changing our policy. And Biden then said that he was going to continue to pressure India. And now Boris Johnson has scheduled a two-day visit to India later this month, as if that's somehow going to move the Indians to have this uh, modern face of of British imperialism show up up in Delhi and and try to twist arms. So I think what we're seeing now is a, a very deep panic which was made deeper by an interview done with Sergei Glazyev by yes. Pepe Escobar. Did you see that, V? No, I missed that interview.
0: Is, is that on, uh, which site is that on?
1: It's, is that uh, on I don't Twitter? have the name of it. It's uh, the site where Escobar uh, posts things. Got it. Uh, what, what's interesting about it is that Glazyev just reiterated every point that we've discussed previously mm. about how the real question is not what's going to happen to Russia under the sanctions. He said, look, it's going to be Probably. tough for Russia, yeah. but Russia has a physically, Russia has allies. It's going to be much tougher in the West because countries are going to start abandoning the petrodollar system, especially if there's more sanctions coming against countries that don't obey. And Glazyev reiterated that Russia and China together uh, are committed to this idea of backing currencies with something physical and that they have support from many, many other nations. Now, just over the, the last couple of days, we heard from uh, uh, Brazil, from Mexico, from South Africa, uh, interest in ruble connection with their currencies. Yeah. Uh, the whole idea of the, the gold connection is again being brought up. But it's not just gold. It's a, it's a whole area of physical product. And the attempt to uh, knuckle Xi Jinping into line, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So I think what we're seeing now is the only strategy of the West is more sanctions and more weapons into Ukraine. And at some point, the weapons deliveries will cross a red line. Yeah, Some of the things they're talking about providing through Poland. Uh, Germany ran us to send, so Germany is now going to have to line up outside of the doors of uh, the arms producers and purchase weapons and give them straight to Ukraine.
0: Yeah. Unbelievable. You see the broken solvent west and NATO, which is a, literally a paper tiger being exposed for what it is, and yet, you know, the recent events that have happened with the Moskva, the, the Russian cruiser, uh, the, one of their flagships in the Black Sea, where to, I mean, till now we don't exactly know what happened, but it, it's just incredible to see all these all these developments and and the absolute insanity that NATO is willing to poison pill themselves in order to make sure that the U.S. hegemon stays relevant, Harley. It's incredible.
1: Well, and they they are providing some weapons that will have some impact, yes. but. At the same time, the the Russians are moving back as they said they would. They never said they were going to take Kiev. They never said they were going to overthrow the uh, government. Uh, And what we're seeing now is British mercenaries and British trainers with the Ukrainian army. Uh, There's a a very potentially desperate situation for the West in uh, Mariupol, where the one steel factory where the Azov uh, regiment was, was holed up. Uh, they've been without food and water. They're, there are reports of intercepted cables of the hardcore neo-Nazi units in the basement of the steel mill, uh, asking to be allowed to surrender, turn in their weapons and surrender. And the Ukrainian government is saying no. So they want more bodies, and the reason they want more bodies is NATO needs more bodies to continue to justify the line that, that Putin is a, a merciless killer and that the Ukrainians are being victimized by Russia's great power designs. Now, in reality, the great power design is that of the a section of the Pentagon, not the whole Pentagon. There are a lot of people in the U.S. military that don't like the situation. Right. But if you look back to the... Uh, Trump administration, you had three generals there, McMaster, Mattis, and Kelly, who helped to draft the 2017 National Security Doctrine, which essentially said, forget the war on terror, we're going to full-scale great power challenge. And they included in that the possibility of using nuclear weapons, not as a deterrent, and that's where, you know, we the know that, yeah, yeah, Russians know that. And as a result, their their sense of the situation is they're going to continue to push. They're moving now into the Donbass. They're isolating Ukrainian fighting units. Here's a guy who wants to be in the war because he's under pressure. And when sure. the war starts leading to dead Ukrainian soldiers, he's saying this isn't right. This is a war crime. Well, if you're in a war uh-huh. and your soldiers are fighting... Don't be shocked if some of them are killed. Correct. And this is where you see the, the narratives going crazy. So I, I think people should take heart for reports that are out there from uh, officials such as uh, and others who know something about these these kinds of situations. Uh, the Also, uh, Douglas McGregor. Yeah. They're basically saying that the Russians have Ukraine where it wants it. NATO has a choice: either accept the destruction of Ukraine's military capability, which they're trying to continue to build up, or to escalate. And if they, sad day for the NATO frontline countries. So you know, I, I think we're coming to, you know, in the next week or two, we're going to be coming to a head as the Russian troops start arriving in large numbers in the Donbas. And then we'll see how courageous Commander Zelensky is.
0: Yeah, exactly right, exactly right, man. You know, it's it, it's um, you yeah, got Zelensky, who is clearly on a ridiculous amount of cocaine at this point, Harley. Who's pushing for a war? You got the morons in the Western governments calling for a no-fly zone. We have Sean Penn, who was sitting, who was sitting, <laughs> sitting down, and CJ and I was talking about this before. Sitting down with Sean Hannity talking about nuking Russia, the, the insanity of the West at this point s- seems to know no bounds, Harley.
1: Well, we, we've known for a while in the military industrial complex. Remember, Admiral Richard, Charles Richard, who's the head of the strategic command, is someone who said, We have to accept the idea that. Instead of the old view that nuclear war is unlikely, we have to accept the idea that it's likely. Yeah. Now, if you have military leaders, I mean, he's the head of STRATCOM. If you have military leaders talking that way, then you have to wonder, are there others who are giving back channel messages to Russia saying, ignore this lunatic? Now, that's where we see the, the real situation unfolding. There are people in the U.S. military talking to Russians. Uh, There are people in some of the... Well, in in Germany, you have military people who are saying what we're doing is crazy, and they're being attacked, they're being silenced, but the word is getting out. Now, furthermore, in Germany, you have a recognition that Germany is going to go into a deep recession. Uh, So... So, in, in any case, we have the potential for the alliance. Now, Johnson, Boris Johnson, and the people giving Biden his marching orders are trying to create a breakdown in Russia, which isn't going to happen.
0: Right. That doesn't
1: mean Russia's not suffering, but they're not going to give up the fight because this is a life and death issue for them. Whereas for NATO, uh, it's it's really a question of trying to pursue an advantage which they don't have.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly correct. They don't have an advantage. Harley, how are things looking over here in the that you see happening here in, in the U.S. as supply chain constraints continue to hurdle? As uh, we just have the uh, the the March CPI report coming out, uh, which saw significant increase in inflation, shortages that are coming, food shortages that are right around the corner. Things are not looking so good here in the United States, Harley.
1: Well, in my daily update today, I quoted an article on a publication called The Westerner, which was talking, an article written by a New Mexico cattleman. And he was talking about the plight facing American food production. And what he pointed out is that fertilizer prices are uh, tripling or quadrupling Cost, for example, in California fruits, the cost to produce a pound of fruit is up 43 cents, but the income for the fruit producer is only up 16% while their costs have doubled. Yeah. So they're talking about a wave of bankruptcy in one of the more uh, fruitful, to use a funny term, uh, products of the U.S. economy. Now, at the same time, we're going to see problems in the steel sector, construction sector, uh, shipping sector, you know, there's a shortage of pallets in, in Europe. I don't know if that's the case in the US, but I assume it is because they're saying in Europe, they used Russian nails to put together pallets and Russian wood, and they don't have that anymore. The cost of, of transportation, the diesel fuel costs are up. So we're just starting down the, the sinkhole of, of inflation. And You know, I I did a presentation this weekend where I went over what happened in exactly 100 years ago Saturday, where there was a treaty at Rapallo, where the Russian and the German foreign ministers came together during a meeting to try and discuss whether to increase reparation payments against Germany, Germany having to pay more or to lessen them. And that, that negotiation was going nowhere. So the Russian Foreign Minister Chicherin and the German feather in a town called Rapallo and reached an agreement outside of the, the powers that were the main powers at that conference, which were the British and the French. And what they said is they would give each other uh, most favorite nation status and would engage in an extended commitment to trade because the Germans wanted Russian raw materials and uh, the Russian market. And the Russians wanted investment and uh, technology. And this is when Lenin, the Bolshevik leader, the communist leader in Russia, gave up the idea of worldwide revolution and adopted what was called the new economic plan, which was electrification. Yeah. So you had a moment where there was a potential for Germany and Russia to come together outside of the control of the British and the French, and yeah, you know, the Americans are somewhat committed to this, but not totally. And what happened? Within two months, Rattenau, the architect of this for Germany, was assassinated. Mm. Now, Rottenau was a unique individual. His father founded AEG, which is the German General Electric Company. He did it in conjunction with Thomas Edison. Yeah, it's one of the most advanced technology companies in Germany. And Walter now took it over. He was the one who ran the German war economy, which kept Germany in the war, even though they were in terrible shape, and was one of the most important figures in the country. And he made this deal, and then he got killed. Now, that's the kind of situation we've had for the last 120 years regarding Germany and Russia. Anytime there's been an effort by the Germans to break out from under the British and then later Anglo-American control and NATO control, they've been brought to heel. I don't know if you know this, but the old slogan of NATO was keep America in, the Germans down and the Russians out. Yeah. (laughs) And that's still the policy.
0: Yes, it is. It really is. It's incredible.
1: Well, and what Rottenau represented was the creme de la creme of the German industrial uh, forces, and today the german industrialists are saying unleash us stop the sanctions we want to trade we want to expand we must do that if we're going to stay in business and they're being told by their own government uh with the green new deal
0: unbelievable it's literally suicide at this point and makes no logical sense whatsoever harley how are the populations reacting to this in those respective countries?
1: Well, I'd say in the in the main, there's a, a, a lot of denial. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Easter weekend is a huge travel period in Germany because Friday and Monday are both holidays. Around everyone's gone, and it's sort of like this. Uh, uh, after this, the, the flood. You know, we're going to go have a good time, and then we're going to batten down the hatches. People are very anxiety ridden. Uh, They don't see a way out. The current German government is an absolute atrocity. You have the Free Democrats, who are British neoliberals to the core, uh, who are saying the main thing is cutting taxes. But they're in a coalition government with the Social Democrats who are saying the main thing is increasing taxes. (laughs) <laughs> and then you've got the greens who, who are saying we shouldn't produce anything that affects the environment. Therefore, we have to shut down industry, and people have to learn to live with less. The sense that we have a government which, but even if they wanted to, they wouldn't govern because they're controlled. Yeah, and so I, I think. In Germany, which is probably not so different than of Rapallo, because after Rapallo failed, the treaty I mentioned earlier, Germany went into a hyperinflation because they only money to pay the debt. And when they did it, they had super hyperinflation, the famous Weimar hyperinflation, which destroyed social cohesion, ruined a lot of the industry. And what it allowed was the uh, capability of the the outside intervention to play left and right against each other you had communists and nazis fighting in the street as a daily occurrence after 1929 yeah and that's the problem
0: Harley, CJ has a really good question. CJ, I want you to answer the, uh, ask Harley this question. That's a really good question on your part, CJ.
1: Yeah, Harley, a couple questions just real quick.
0: Uh, any thoughts on the French election cycle?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, we're seeing Le Pen trying to appeal to the moderates, which may hurt her in the election because the, her main base has always been people who don't like the European Union. But at the same time, she's saying that France will uh, move out from the central command. She's sort of playing that off against a kind of uh, let's leave the European Union as it is, which and Macron is a nobody. Macron, you know, tried to play his card with Putin. And Putin basically said to him, and I have this from a, a talk said to Macron, if you want to stop this war, you could either leave NATO or you could uh, say that you would veto any attempt to put Ukraine in NATO. Yeah. And Macron did neither of those. So he's seen by the people who know something in France as, as a someone who's also under the control of the Anglo-Iriots. The worst thing you can be is pro-British. So, and this goes back to the Hundred Years' War. So we're talking about the 15th century. So I think Macron is uh, in trouble. I think Le Pen is not quite sure how to take advantage of it. going up and down in France. And my, my friend, Jacques Cheminade, who has run for president before, said that one of these candidates is going to have to say something decisive and stop being like a, like Joe Biden, where you basically feed the population pablum and hope that they'll like you. So absent a definitive statement from one of the two of them, it's probably likely that Macron will win in a squeaker and no one will be happy.
0: Wow. Interesting. And then uh, another question, Harley, is that, because uh, we're getting a lot here in the United States in, in regards to China and the the renewed lockdowns. A lot of videos coming out. Uh, we're getting the the, the the bannons that are coming out saying, look, this is what China's doing everything. What, what's driving the, the lockdowns in China? Is it, is it something more of, of, of a concern regarding to COVID? Do you what are your, your insights telling you that uh, what's happening
1: there? Well, I, I think it's hard to take the Chinese at their word on everything. But what they're basically saying is that the zero COVID policy has dramatically limited the numbers of deaths in China, and they don't intend to change that, which means they're going to have lockdowns. They're, they're doing the best they can to provide uh, food and, and other things to people. But, you know, you're talking about a city of, I think it's over 30 million people. So it's kind of hard to lock down a city that large yeah. and not have complaints. The way it's being played here is to say, this is with Schwab, and this is what they want to do in the United States. Well, we had lockdowns in the United States. The question of whether lockdowns are are, are effective in, in dealing with COVID is, is not even clear yet. But I think it's much more successful what was done in the West in, in limiting deaths. And I think they're sticking with that. Now, if dictatorship, well just keep in mind that we also had lockdowns here, problems of, of uh, protesting them. And uh, you know I, I think the, the, the real question here is much more, can we work with other nations? to address the causes of, of the problems that are afflicting us, the wars, the food shortages, potential diseases. If we can't find a way to work together, we're going to end up in thermonuclear war.
0: Yeah,
1: And that's why we had a conference calling for the an agreement to draft a new strategic and financial architecture. Now I'll tell you, I don't know about the strategic architecture, but the financial architecture is coming very quickly.
0: Oh oh god yeah the the financial architectures yeah
1: are getting support. And on that, China and Russia have a policy that most American patriots would support, which is sovereignty and no central bank dictatorship, and that the credit policy would, would favor industry and business as opposed to speculators
0: and which is the which is the model that we need here in this country, but you know the 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 death grip uh that is happening here with wall street with uh uh with blackrock uh, and vanguard specifically with the e s g scores uh, th- that's where the fight is, and I think Elon Musk is doing his job to to expose this harley with the recent uh uh attempt to uh take out twitter or take or buy out twitter excuse me
1: well Musk, Musk is an interesting guy, but it's going to take more than Musk. Oh, yeah. More people going to the Schiller Institute and, and the LaRue organization. And showing the courage. You know, I, I just, who is a, a, an Italian financier, but on the good side, he's an Italian nationalist more than he's on the financial side of things. And he said he met Lyndon LaRouche in 1978. He met him again in 1987, right before he was put in jail. And he said he met him again in the 1990s after he got out of jail. And he said that man had courage and persistence. We have very, very few leaders who combine that with a vision. And he said most of the leaders we have who have a vision have a bad vision. Sure. And I think that's what we're lacking in the world today are people who actually understand or let's say have learned the lessons of history. And if, if there are lessons to learn from history there that you cannot give private interests control over government. The, as much as people fear government, you need some regulatory power to counterbalance the effect of private fortunes and, and private, uh, you mentioned BlackRock and Vanguard. You, you might as well mention as well Raytheon and and the military industrial complex in Silicon Valley. Yep. Those are private corporations that have more control of the government than any government official. And the government, the people who are officials in government are basically servants of those private interests. So who represents the people? So if Musk speaks out, that's great. We need a lot more people speaking out.
0: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Very well said. Harley, any last minute closing comments?
1: Well, uh, I would just urge people, if if you aren't already doing so, uh, subscribe to my podcast. You can find out how to sign up for free over at com, and uh, video update, which seems to be growing in popularity. So Excellent. hopefully, uh, if your listeners are not yet taking advantage of it, they'll go over there and do that. Very well said.
0: And also, Harley, we want to let you know that our, our, we, got, we got our YouTube channel back. Thank God. Uh, YouTube was actually in the process of deleting us completely. Something went wrong with their system, and now we have our channel back with zero strikes. So we're basically like a brand-new channel again. Uh, the only issue is that they've broken some streaming links when they were in the process of doing that. We're just in the process of setting it back up. So uh, next week, Harley, when you come back on, uh, we will be on YouTube again, which is going to be exciting.
1: <laughs> I think so. I'm glad you got that restored, but make sure you have other backups. Oh,
0: 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Very well said.
1: Harley, thank you so
0: much for joining us and sharing your thoughts with us. And, folks, you can find him over at TheLaRoucheOrganization.com, TheLaRoucheOrganization.com, and TheSchillerInstitute.com, SchillerInstitute.com. And with that being said, we're over and out. Thank you all for listening.